chapter 12. Jesus continues to teach about the kingdom. And this really goes down to the theme we have here on KFUO uh, for the book of Matthew, is that Matthew, Matthew, the whole book, is Christ's reign has come, Christ's reign continues, and his reign is coming. And we see that today as it's a perfect epiphany text. Just as he proclaimed himself as Lord of the Sabbath, now he proves it by his action of healing, that he has proven he is the chosen servant from Isaiah and has authority over demons. What does this mean for us? We'll find out today. The gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome back Pastor Brian Davies, pastor of Lord of Glory Lutheran Church in Grays Lake, Illinois. Pastor Davies, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Good morning. Just hearing your voice makes me smile. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Same thing here, because last time we had a lot of talk of maple syrup, if I remember correctly. and um, We did, so I, and my yeah. uh, my intramural prowesses, which I greatly appreciated. <laughs> anytime, <laughs> my friend, anytime. So, Pastor, it says here that you are a chaplain of the fire department. Is that still true? Yeah, correct. It's a, It's been a wonderful journey to serve our community that way, and that way I serve both the you know, firefighters and staff at the fire stations within the community of Grays Lake, as well as serving the community on calls alongside the fire department. So it's kind of like serving two entities at the same time. I think about it as, you know, our church just got a little bigger in terms of, you know, the folks that I care and pray for, including now the firefighters. It's a great role. I once spoke to a, a fire chaplain, and what he said is many times what happens is he's there, he listens, usually for a very long time, either the firefighters or other people in crisis, and then he prays. And mm. and that's not just, quote, it, but it just reminds you of the need that's out there for people to listen and for prayer and, and what a joy that must be to serve. Any other, anything else you want to highlight with that? And obviously for our listeners, pray for our chaplains and for our firefighters as they serve mm. and, and serve and love our community. So anything else you want to highlight with that job and, and the joys? You know, I'll just share, um, you know, an observation that I've gleaned from serving in the role now for a couple of years. I've developed, I had it before, like a respect for people who serve in that office, but I, it's only magnified tenfold as I see the life these guys live. I mean, in our community, they are on a 24-hour shift every three days. And so, you know, that means an overnight, so that means every three nights, they are outside of their home for 24 hours away from their families, you know, not helping put their kids to bed, not being next to their wife if they're married at night. Like, and I don't know, like you're just out of rhythm. It's a very out of rhythm life and it's stressful then it's challenging. So, you know, I, like you said, pray for your firefighters and of course police officers included, but I'm just especially close because I see, the impact that that vocation has on on these women and men. So thanks for offering the prayers for them. Yeah, and so, Pastor, as as we begin our time in prayer, can you include the firefighters across our nation while you pray for our blessings for today's study? Let's pray. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we worship you today. We ascribe to you all the glory and honor. Do your name, King of kings and Lord of lords. 
Thank you for the gift of your word, which is living and active. It changes us, uh, convicts us, it points us to Jesus and forgiveness and grace. We praise you for that. Thank you that we have it in our own language. Thank you, Lord, for the ministry of KFUO, which is getting the word out to people through this means. Praise you, God, for, for the ministry of KFUO. And also, Lord, for those who serve our communities in the vocation of firefighters and paramedics. I pray your blessing upon them this day. You know them, you love them, you redeemed them. Pray, Lord, that you'd care for them physically, but also, Lord, point them uh, to spiritual health and to life eternal. And uh, bless our time together today in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today, Matt chapter 12, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or give us a call, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. Pastor, I'll start this way. I'll read all of our verses today um, from the English Standard Version, Matthew chapter 12, verses 15 through 32, and come back and get to your introductory thoughts as we hear these really, I mean, it's it's kind of in between very important parts of scripture, but it really, um, uh, it, a, lot of, a lot of hinges on this for our life in Christ. So beginning Matthew chapter 12, verses 15 through 32. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. Until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God and that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first finds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. Whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. This is our text today, Pastor. How do you want to, what are your first thoughts to get us off on the right foot? Well, I think the introduction you gave a few moments ago, kicking this off, was excellent. It's a great summary. I think I agree with you. This is a great text. Um, I always think it's always helpful in case listeners are just jumping in, you know, to Matthew 12 here. A little bit of context might be helpful. In Matthew chapter 10, he sends out his disciples 
So they are kind of on the road preaching and teaching, proclaiming the coming of the kingdom of God. By the time we get to chapter 12, it appears as though they are still, you know, away from Jesus uh, on the road. And so Jesus is kind of, I don't know, solo acting it, um, going out yeah. village to village, preaching and teaching. So now we have this moment where uh, he enters a synagogue, um, he heals, and conflict ensues with the Pharisees. So our text starts with Jesus aware of this, which if we're starting a text there, we should always begin with, okay, what is Jesus aware of? Um, that would be verse 14. The Pharisees went on and conspired against him how to destroy him. So as we think about the ministry of Jesus, the conflict with Jesus and the religious leaders doesn't start, you know, before Holy Week. It's really from the very early on era of Jesus' ministry. And this is another example. And it, it is interesting just because he heals a man with a withered hand. I mean, this is crazy that you would like, yeah. okay, how can we destroy this guy? He's healing people. I mean, it's, it's hard for us to fathom the angst or the anger that the Pharisees have to Jesus to the point where they want to destroy him. And that is something, that's a good point too. I mean, we often think of it just as when he goes before Pontius Pilate, this really hot and heavy. No, it was well before that, a long plan yeah. for sure. Um, other thoughts you have, Pastor? Yeah, the... Um... Uh, you know, for all of us in our lives in 2022 who feel like we get a raw deal or we don't get our just, you know, what's come to us or something like, you know, get passed over on a promotion or get blamed for something. Or I hear this from my kids. Uh, I'm in group work and no one's doing their work, you know. Um, well, what did Jesus do? Okay, Jesus goes around healing people, telling good news, loving people, talking to people that nobody talked to, going to places nobody would go to, and what does he get? I mean, talk about getting a raw deal. And and not only that, but basically called the dead. I mean, just call, called mm. Satan himself. And so you you yeah. have, well, they, not only do they not like me, but they actually think I'm the devil. I mean, I've never yeah, heard crazy. my kids be called that before, but maybe, <laughs> maybe that's happening. I don't know about it, but mm -hmm. it reminds me of this in the movie, um, uh, Bruce Almighty, where we can do this, where Bruce, I mean, this is not a good theological movie, just to make that very clear on KFUO <laughs> here. It's not a good theological movie. But there is that moment where Jim Carrey, who's Bruce, is walking, and he's just frustrated. He didn't get his promotion, like you mentioned. And then there's a scene where he's walking, and he steps into a puddle, and he blames God if he had just been executed for his faith. And this is where we have to put in context, remember all these things, and to see the humility and the um, uh, submission of Almighty God to our level. And, well, all you can do is say thanks be to God in the midst of that. Yeah, that's right. So, um, anything else, Pastor, before we dig in? Uh, no, I'm ready to dig in. We can, in Not fact, right. start with 15. It's great, great. This is a rich text. It, very rich, very rich. So let's begin um, as we read Matthew chapter 12, beginning in the 15th verse. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. And many followed him, and he healed them, and ordered them not to make him known. I'll start this way. It's interesting that he says this in Epiphany, where we start to slowly know more, to be known by, you know, to know Christ. 
And so now he says this, and I would say, Pastor, I want to hear your thoughts. This is probably one of the most common questions I receive as a pastor is, why did Jesus do the healing and then say, don't let anyone know? And what would your answer be? It is a common question, isn't it? Because it seems yeah. like our people hear over and over, you know, tell the story, tell the story, tell the story. And then we read in the Bible that what did Jesus do in his ministry? Did a bunch of things and told people not to tell the story, you know? Mm-hmm. So it seems mm-hmm. like, uh, what's going on here? Um, uh, the most helpful language that I hear Jesus use in describing this is actually found in John chapter 2, when Jesus is at the wedding feast in Cana, he turns water into wine, and the line he speaks to his mother is, woman, my time has not yet come, okay? Mm. So the, you know, Jesus telling people, hey, don't tell anybody about this, that's for the ministry of Jesus pre-Calvary, now, post-Calvary, we're to tell the whole world all the time and, and, and as many means possible, including KFUO, about mm-hmm. the good news of, uh, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that was like a for that time where Jesus didn't want to become overwhelmed. He had more, um, you know, with either conflict or with more people who needed healing, but instead, you know, he had a lot of towns and villages to go to, a lot of great work to do. His time had not yet come. And that's why he says, hey, let's put the lid on it just for a little bit. Right, right. And, that, and that's, and that's it's interesting, because that's part of the withdrawal, too, is that he's mm. withdrawing because, like you said, his time had not yet come. You know, so he withdrew, withdraws from that area. He knows the Pharisees want to destroy him. Um, it, it, He's doing these healings. Obviously, he's doing this out of grace. And it says he healed them all, which I think Mm. is an important piece, too, because other parts he just heals one or maybe a few. But here he emphasizes all. Any thoughts on that? No, beautiful. Um, One line we use a lot around here is there's no throwaway words in the Bible. That is like Mm. every single word matters. And the fact the more the more. The quicker you are to kind of glance over it, the more likely it is that there might be a nugget in there to unpack. And I think you just hit it. This is all. Like everyone who's coming to Jesus is getting this gift. And I think it's a vision of how the grace of God comes still today, which is it's not, you know, for some but not others. But this is for all who come in contact with it. I'm going to repeat that line for us because I'm learning this slowly going through Matthew, because we start in December, and we're going to go all the way till Easter, actually the week after Easter. And, awesome. and, and, and and it's really something when you slowly go through this, and you'll see this in the next few chapters, is there's like even a parable I don't even remember ever reading before, and it's in the mm. scripture. So so repeat that line for us again. A no what? Throwaway? I said there's no throwaway verses in the Bible. Like there's ah. nothing that's there that doesn't really need to be there. Um, there's nothing that really should have been edited out. Everything that's there occupies precious real estate. And, you know, the more the more likely we are to kind of skip over it or glance over it or just kind of move on to the next thing, the more likely it is that we're missing something that's actually there and has significance. Well, I think that's a good tagline for all of us. No throwaway verses in Holy Scripture. Very good. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor. Anything else in 1516 before we move on? Nope. Now, I'm going to say this, too. These next verses, 17 through 21, come to us, and I would say that in the book of Matthew, a lot of the quotes of the Old Testament, I I've, you know, I kind of have a thumb on, I would say, 
And this one is one of those that I'm like, wow, you know what? I have not dug into this one as much. And so that's what makes it even more powerful. And like it goes with your tagline, no throwaway verses or group of verses in Holy Scripture. Yep. So 17 through 21 as it continues. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. And he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. Excuse me. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory, and his name the Gentiles, in his name, the Gentiles will hope. So it's obvious he's quoting from Isaiah. What part of Isaiah and what is this telling us about this servant? Oh, that's a great, you're right. Um, this one reason I love to serve in this role, you know, I get to, first of all, have a conversation with you again. Um, but it does <laughs> oh, get man. me to dive into these great texts that maybe I've never really taken a deep dive in. What a great vision that Isaiah gives us in Isaiah chapter 42 of the Messiah who was to come. So this would be many hundred years before Jesus is ever born. Isaiah is in essence looking ahead to Jesus and describing what he would be like and what he would do and who he would be for that audience then and for the audience now. And so here is Matthew saying when Jesus acts this way, he's fulfilling what Isaiah promised he would do and what Isaiah promised he would be, you know, of course, powered by the Holy Spirit of God. And so what part of Isaiah was this? Uh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I put you on the spot. It's Isaiah 42. Yeah. And throughout Isaiah, it's really fascinating because you have this suffering servant, which we all know about in 53, 52, 53. And I just happened to look this up, Pastor. So if I'm, I'm glad you didn't ask me because I would have been like, uh, whoa, okay. <laughs> so anyways, but 40, 42, and it's not a quote, direct quote. There, there's kind of, there's a few words here and there. You got yeah. you know, the Old Testament Hebrew and, and Septuagint and all this stuff. But I mean, it definitely is quoting this. Now, Matthew, it's very fascinating because Matthew uh, continually quotes the Old Testament in this to prove that this king is the one you've been waiting for. And by the way, this king is much better than the kings that you remember in the Old Testament, as we is very yep. clear. Here, he, you know, behold my servant whom I have chosen, and then later on I'll put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. For me, this this really relates to something we just celebrated in the church. Any thoughts that I'm going to put you on the spot again. Any thoughts of what this, um, these words were heard recently in the church here? Well, I do. The first thought that came to my mind here looking at these words was, you know, again, how every word matters. Um, mm -hmm. This servant is the chosen one of God, uh, the Messiah, the one ordained by God to come to earth to be our Redeemer. Uh, the one on whom the Spirit of God now dwells. We see that in the baptism of Jesus when yep. it descends upon him like a dove. And I was really struck by the word, you know, that this inaugurates, in essence, justice to the nations, to the Gentiles. And that is, in that, some words, some ways, like a hot word right now. Um, I would say that 
the way I hear that word is kind of a right ordering to the world. And so to those of you listening to this and you're sensing, boy, the world is out of order. I think we're all feeling that right now and have felt it for quite some time. You know, remember, the kingdom of God comes to bring justice and right order, things done rightly and wisely and orderly and fairly. We don't see that today, and it's not the way it's supposed to be. That's because there's a contrast between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of the Messiah, who comes to bring justice and make the world right. And it, 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 you have that moment, like I, and I want to talk more about biblical justice a little bit, exactly what you just said. The, how could you not see the baptism of Jesus here? My beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, you know, the Holy Spirit's mm-hmm. upon him. So it's fascinating to think about that someone probably was sitting there listening to God the Father say, this is my son with whom I am well pleased, you know, and you're like, huh, I think I've heard that before. And that's much right. like any of us, you know, like, huh, I think that's in the Bible somewhere, you know, and then you yes. ask somebody else. But anyways, so you definitely have that. And the, the the idea of proclaiming justice to the Gentiles leads us to so much of Isaiah 2, where it talks about that this light has come to the Gentiles. You have uh, uh, when Jesus is uh, at the temple and uh, a light to reveal to the Gentiles, the song of Simeon says, and there's yep. that strong emphasis in Matthew with that this king is beyond Israel because you already have the Magi. So I want to talk a little bit about justice, like you said, to bring things rightly. And why is that important for us to really have those terms correct as Christians, especially in today's world? Any thoughts? Um, just that I, I sense a high level of discouragement among my people. Mm-hmm. Like, man, you know, everything's broken. And like, if you want to take a Bible study off track, just have them identify a couple things that aren't the way they're supposed to be. And so I, I, I think there's this prevailing sense that we look around like we we see pretty clearly. If we, if we didn't see it before, we see it clearly now how the world is broken and how it is. You know, an emphasis on the world breaks people. And in essence, then, looking for governmental or political solutions will be inevitably discouraging. Yeah. Because justice doesn't come through the right person getting elected or the right system of government or if everyone just did this or did that or got on the same page. Justice is found in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who comes not, like you said, as like a light only for Israel, but as a light to the nations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Isaiah 49, 5 or 6. It's a really key verse, at least for me in the book of Isaiah. And it helps me understand that, you know, God going to the whole world was not a New Testament idea. That was an Old Testament idea. Like it was from the very beginning that God anointed his people Israel to be a light to the world. Unfortunately, they kind of lost the memo. It got mishandled, if you will, and became very insular and inward focused and then kind of wanting to be like other nations instead of kind of wanting to be like God called them to be. So they lose that missional focus. But Mm -hmm. really, 
the coming of the Messiah comes and says, hey, what Israel wasn't able to do, the Messiah now has done, and this will be for the whole world. And, you know, I've talked to any missiologists, I'll tell you, this is happening right now. The church is thriving in parts of the world that we never thought the church would, would take root, and it's happening. And what you're referencing, 49, or Isaiah 49, this is great. We keep going back to Isaiah. What do they call? They call Isaiah the fifth gospel because there's yeah. so much Jesus in the, the Old Testament in Isaiah. But he says in 49, verse 6, I will make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach the end of the earth. I mean, yeah. just think about that. That is, you know, Old Testament, we can so easily just say, oh, they were just... They worried about Israel, their neighbors they didn't care about, the world they didn't care about, and da-da-da-da-da. But clearly, it went way beyond there. And this guy now, from Isaiah 42, is the one who's going to bring justice to everybody, making things right. And like you said, we're very anxious, which is why we always have to point back to Christ, who is the, the, the one who brings that justice for all people as he healed all people in our text today. Pastor, I want to bring up one thought here, and this is something I've always been a little confused on, verse 20. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. And I've always heard that, and I thought, that's kind of cool. But then, I, then it came up to me of all of a sudden, and I was like, what's a reed? Mm. <laughs> and I, was, I didn't even know. And so it's, it's, a, it's a weak grass plant that they often use for pens. I mean, this is not a real strong, this is not what mm. you'd bring out to battle. This is not what David would have been able to be Goliath with. I mean, this is pretty yeah. weak stuff. A wick, you know, like when you have a candle, you can put that thing out really quickly. And it says that he won't break it and he will not quench the wick. Pastor, what is he saying there in those words? This is, an, this is like Palm Sunday. Mm. This is like, uh, you know, the king has come, but it's not, a thousand chariots it's lowly and riding on a donkey this is the messiah comes and it's not in the palace it's in a stable in podunk bethlehem not flashy not loud not forcing won't quarrel cry you won't even hear his voice in the streets. What a text. Instead, yeah. you know, humble, quiet, serving, washing feet, laying down his life, doing the very things, the anointed king, the son of God, you would never expect to do. And this reminds us once again to Isaiah. I mean, maybe we should, you, our listeners, should write down how many times we've quoted Isaiah so far. But Isaiah 53 he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. That the greatest justice would be found in that cross as he um, went there. And, you know, a sheep goes to a shearers, he did not open his mouth. I mean, it just shows us that this king would be so different, like you said beautifully, about, about yeah. the, um, um, uh, excuse me, going to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. I mean, he's not going to break even a pen. He's not even going to um, put out the, the, the wick, but yet he will have the victory. I mean, this is crazy yeah. stuff. Any last thoughts yeah. before we go to our break? Yeah, just the, the whole notion of he won't hear his voice in the streets and then the suffering servant, he won't even open his mouth. Like if there was ever anyone who should have walked around telling everyone what to do, it was Jesus. <laughs> but what does he do? He goes around asking questions. He goes around listening. 
And so, like, in our culture today, that is, like, so countercultural, where it's all about sound bites, get your word in, win the arguments, you know, get your voice spoken, uh, you know, craft your image. And, and what's Jesus' image? Sitting and listening, asking questions. I think we've got a lot to learn from Jesus there. And we'll find out more about that after our break. We are studying Matthew chapter 12 with Pastor Brian Davies, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. And welcome back. We are studying Matthew chapter 12 with Pastor Brian Davies of Lord of Glory Lutheran Church in Grays Lake, Illinois. And Pastor, we see Jesus here very clearly. Um, we went through the list of, of the baptism of our Lord. We've seen him um, uh, not quarreling, uh, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not quench. It shows us Jesus and this idea of justice. Now, we can look at that, and, and we don't want to get into the weeds too much about, like, well, how come the church isn't more like that? Because we understand the brokenness we all have. But yet, this also is a—what we see with Jesus is also a calling for us, understanding what he's done on the cross for us, full salvation. All works we do have nothing to do with our salvation, but yet he does call us to serve. And what does this tell us about we as Christians, as follow, followers of Christ, how we are to be a witness in our lives? Well, um, we could do like an hour there, right? Um, <laughs> so cool. just two quick thoughts. Number one, um, everything that we want to see different out there, if you will, first ought to be practiced in here in the church. So um, the church ought to be the most radically hospitable, forgiving, gracious listening focus James chapter 1 be quick to listen slow to speak entity we learned that as a congregation as we staff members and lay leadership navigated a heck of a lot of decisions over the last 22 months that how we made those decisions together that we valued everyone's input that we heard one another that we sought to first uh, understand before seeking to be understood, that we try to put our own opinions aside, but, you know, bended ourselves to hear others. Um, the church ought to be where that, it's like almost like a, like a mini laboratory, if you will, for everything you want to see different in the world, right? Second thing then, rather than Christians trying to create like a theocracy, you know, a government run by the Bible, Rather, I'd say, 
we Christians try to live our lives with the principles that the Bible teaches, you know, fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, that we put those into practice in our everyday lives. That, to me, is how modeling then how Jesus does it, you know, not quarreling, crying out in the streets, not flashy, not loud, saying, we're Christians, we're coming to overtake the world, but rather relationship by relationship, moment by moment. And so from here, we get a fullness of who Jesus is, and then we get into these next number of verses, which is probably one of the more, um, another part that is quite spoken about in the church historically, sometimes over overthought, I would say these next number of verses. Mm. So I want to make sure we take our time when it talks about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But Pastor, I want to make sure anything else you have in verses 15 through 21. Uh, nope, let's move on because you're right. We got great text ahead. All right. So beginning verse 22. Then a demon possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to him and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw, and all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? I, w- I wanted to stop there just for a moment because that kind of sets us up for the next piece. But people are starting to get it. I mean, before this point, it was, uh, it was, it was the devil who kind of knew, are you you're the son of David? You're the son of God, all these kind of things. And all the people seem to kind of be getting it. Any thoughts on those two verses? Uh, interesting. I thought the same thing as I was going through this text. Like, okay, well, now there's some clarity among the people that um, that th- th- they have seen the ministry of Jesus now so clearly that they're starting to, it's actually starting to stir in them. Like, is this actually Messiah? You know, and think about, um, don't take for granted, okay, this guy is blind, you know, incredible disability. He's mute. An incredible disability, being unable to speak in and of itself, being blind and mute, and he's demon possessed. So I mean, like this is the trifecta, if you will, of of challenges. So Jesus heals him, and and, and this person, I'm, I'm guessing, must have been so perhaps well known by the community as someone who was so oppressed, so uh, so challenged that when they see Jesus bring healing to him, they say holy cow, like, is is this now Messiah? And they're very well versed in the understanding of, uh, sometimes I think we, we, I know I've gotten to this, where you you think the people who were there just didn't really understand what was coming. Like, they just didn't get it. You know, they understand. But even for them to say the word, son of David, Mm. shows that people were, were waiting for this Savior. This goes to 2 Samuel 7, when that messianic t- title just talks about, you know, there will be one that will establish the throne of his kingdom. doesn't mean they yep. didn't misunderstand it, but these people were, these were people were people of faith. They, they knew yep. that a Messiah was coming. So it really, um, and then I'll, 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 just a real side note to that is, you know, people, people have faith and in our world today, even, and they express it in ways that, that, that go well beyond what we do as pastors, you know, just, yep. just this wonderful way. And this is, I think, a simple way for us to realize these were people of faith. And Jesus is doing exactly what he said he'd do, which is bring justice to the Gentiles and to his people. Anything else on those yep. verses, Pastor? No, it's great. And I mean, uh, the fact that they connected healing with the coming of the Messiah also was 
show the recognition of the scriptures because that was part of the that was part of so many Old Testament prophecies. So they're because they're seeing mm. that they're connecting it with Messiah shows their their you know their 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 faith, their trust, their hope, and that we'll celebrate in heaven with them, God willing. And that's and that's where that's what makes the next few verses, I would say, just kind of strange. Um, <laughs> it's kind and there's of a like, contrast, oh, wow, right? This. Yeah, exactly. A contrast yeah, so. <laughs> between w- their response of faith and the Jewish leadership's response. Right. So let's let's read a few of these verses, verses 24 through 27. But when the Pharisees heard it, of course, the, the, these Pharisees are always just hanging around. I mean, what is going on? <laughs> they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that the man cast out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided itself against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. So, I'm going to start with this, and I want your your full thoughts. Is first of all, it proclaims who Christ is. Verse 25. Knowing their thoughts, this shows us the omniscience of the Lord Jesus. That He not only knows people by name, but He also knows their thoughts. So, if there's any questions about, and Matthew's definitely clearly pointing this out. If there's any questions about, is this guy God? Matthew is making it very clear. But break down the story for us. What? What is what is this is a crazy part of scripture. So what's happening? Yeah, I I actually had the same like I caught that aware of this. It kind of echoes or um, knowing their thoughts. It echoes verse fifteen. Jesus aware of this. That has uh-huh. a mm-hmm. you know I hear those as law words like Jesus knows my thoughts. You know Ooh, crud <laughs> um, <laughs> because not all my thoughts are are pure. So you know we hear that as law, we know it, but we're thankful for God's abundant grace. We're gonna actually get that later on in, in verse thirty one. That forgiving word mm. spoken by Jesus over us. Those are good. That's good news for those of us who have unhealthy thoughts. That's all of us. Mm. Um, so yeah, Beelzebul. You know, rough translation, you know, prince of demons, this would be the evil one, this would be the devil. Um, And Jesus really, this would be another example where Jesus shows, like, this is actually good common sense wisdom. Um, This reminded me of, hey, when you go to a wedding, sit in the back, because it's a heck of a lot better to be brought to the front than it is to falsely Mm. sit in the front and then get get demoted to the back of the party. Um, That's actually just like good life lesson, right? <laughs> well, this actually is in a similar way. Jesus kind of like comes at their like reason. Okay. So he says, basically, okay, if I'm divi- if I'm driving out Satan, why would I be fighting against myself? Like, think about it, guys. What, what, how would that even make sense? Why would I even do that? Um, and then he makes the point in 27. Um, so if, if if you call me for doing that, aren't you doing the same thing? I thought that was so right. wise that he oh, turns so it good. on them. If you're <laughs> saying so that good. I'm doing this, why aren't you doing the same thing? And and that's the hard thing. Like they lack self awareness. They didn't even see their own hypocrisy. Um and, and Jesus is calling them out on it. And it's so simple and it's good for us to all remember, is this, you know, if if you're if your house is divided, we're not talking about 
Bears fans and Packer fans. I know you probably mm. have some of those signs around your area. We're not talking <laughs> that. We're talking, you know, people are legitimately on the other side of faith or not faith, you know, evil and good or light and darkness. That if that is happening in a house or a kingdom or whatever, or a church or whatever it might be, it's not going to last because there yeah. needs to be something that unifies you. And if Satan is, is you know, um, uh, binding Satan, that's not going to work. And then, like you said, he brings it back to like, listen, you're doing the same thing or supposedly doing the same thing. So then are you are you the devil, too? Are we on the same team now all of a sudden based on this <laughs> yeah. logic? I mean, it is it is wonderful. It, it is a it is another one of those mic drop moments for Jesus. Yeah, you could have stopped right there and they would have known. Yeah. So um, any other thoughts on that? Nope. I think we nailed that part. All right. Well, um, it's just another reminder that. Uh, it's not good to be called Beelzebul. <laughs> and so <laughs> Jesus definitely puts them back in their place. So let's continue. Jesus then, he doesn't stop there, thankfully. He moves on and gives us an understanding of how he does these things. Verses 28 and 29. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. So he's kind of doing a little bit of a, a parable there, but brings mm -hmm. up the Holy Spirit and the relationship to Satan in essence. What your thoughts? Yeah, and this is the heart of spiritual warfare. This is and, and you started to allude to it, and Jesus will get to it later. Um, you know, there's no room for indecision in the kingdom of God. And we're going to process that, I would imagine, in just a few moments. Mm -hmm. The difference between indecision and the struggling of the of the Christian, of course, daily to put, put aside our flesh. That's different. This is like, hey, um, you're either for me or against me. You're going to hear Jesus say that in just a moment. But yeah. Jesus here is saying, um, I am acting on behalf of the triune God, the spirit of God is at work here and the kingdom of God has come upon you. This reminded me of, uh, again, uh, echoes, I believe of Isaiah. Um, mm -hmm. today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, you know, like <laughs> yeah. when he reads the scroll in the temple, like, Hey, if you're wondering if it's really the Messiah, let me tell you, I've arrived. Um, <clears throat> what was, you read earlier on, your theming for the book of Matthew, something like kingdom has come, is yeah. come, and will come? Like, well, it, that's, go ahead, can yeah. you say it? I'll say, actually, this is from Dr. Gibbs, of course, and, his, and he, he started us off in Matthew, and he said, Christ's reign has come, and reign can be able to be known as kingdom. Christ's reign has come, his reign continues, and his reign is coming. Yeah. That's that's the tagline, yeah. Yeah, so I think, like, he nails the first two in that statement. Mm. The kingdom of God has come upon you. Like, it has come, past tense, like, it's, like, what was waited for. It has arrived, and it is now, like, among you, like, standing in your presence, right? Um, and, you know, I don't know. I, I think Lord's Supper undertones here. Whenever I receive the Lord's hmm. Supper, I think this is the kingdom coming in my midst right now, delivered to me very tangibly. 
Wow. That I'm going to have to think about that one. Um, that, that is so good because we have not made that connection quite yet. Obviously, we haven't gotten to Holy Week in Matthew, but that really does that tangibleness of God's kingdom coming in the truth, in the body and blood of Jesus for you. That yep. is, that is wonderful. But also, and with that, with that comes this very, uh, verse 29, like I said, a little bit of a parable that definitely reminds us how Jesus is above Satan, you know? So he, he's, he's very much so like, you're calling me Beelzebub. Well, that's not true, first of all. But secondly, yeah. I, I have, my kingdom is above him. And I'm stronger than him. And that's important for our world today, too, because if you watch a lot of movies or you hear a lot of references, it sounds like it's a battle between the devil yeah. and Jesus or God, and they're on equal playing field. Why is that important that we understand that Jesus is always above evil? Yeah, excellent. It's not like a football game where you're like one of those games you saw last week where you're, it's so exciting because you don't know the outcome. Like, that's right. not the Christian faith. That is not spiritual warfare. It's like watching a game where you know the outcome. You know Christ is victorious. And I thought 29 was awesome. Um, yeah. How can anyone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then he indeed he may plunder his house. It is parabolic. It is like it's a it's a vision in essence. I thought this is like almost another I am statement of Jesus. He could say, I am the stronger man, right? Uh-huh. I have dominion over statement. I have dominion over Satan. I'm the one who can go in and take this strong man and bind him up because I'm stronger than him. I can plunder his goods. I'm stronger than him. I will be victorious. And listeners, we should take hope and solace and comfort in that no matter what you're facing or in every way it feels like the evil one is advancing against you whatever that looks like for you um jesus is the stronger one who comes in and he says it in his own in his own words here and that's i'm thinking our church has all the i am statements of jesus in our stained glass windows it's absolutely Mm. phenomenal and then like right when you enter it's i'm the resurrection and the life is what you enter into church and then you have them all surrounding you in the sanctuary so i'm gonna like i'm gonna i'm gonna maybe make a plea that we should make another one i am the strong man i don't know if it's gonna be in stained glass windows but we'll see anyways (laughs) maybe a three three by five card pasted on or something (laughs) exactly yeah exactly right so let's continue to the end of our text because I'm going to I'm going to say this. There was someone in my first parish, lovely, wonderful Christian lady who brought up a story about a man who spent years thinking that he had sinned against the Holy Spirit and had no hope for salvation, like literally fasted and put himself into just like deep and horrible pain because he thought he had sinned against the Holy Spirit and had no chance of salvation. That's why this part, I want to spend the rest of our time, which is about eight minutes left, to be able to really dig into this and make sure we're very clear on Jesus' mm-hmm. words. Verses 30 until, until 32. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Now, Pastor, I want to, before I get exactly to what I just mentioned, verse 30 says, Whoever is with me, whoever is not with me is against me, whoever does not gather with me scatters. Um, What is he saying there before we get to the next part? Um, 
You know, devotionally, I'm reading through the book of John. Ah. The other day I read, um, you know, deep into Holy Week, the exchange between Jesus and Pilate. Next time you read that, count how many times Pilate, in his indecision, comes and goes, talking to the people and then to Jesus, to the people and then to Jesus. He's totally in the middle. He's totally indecisive. You know, and even John kind of alludes to it by saying, Pilate went out again to the people. And he's trying to, like, work a middle ground, if you will. Here is Jesus saying, hey, there's no middle ground here. Um, you're either with me or you're against me. And I think the words, whoever does not gather with me scatters. That is to say, the call of the Christian is to be a disciple and to be active, a worker in the kingdom, proclaiming the coming of the kingdom as now. Like, gather with me. Do the work of the Father alongside of me. So he's basically saying, are you with me or are you not? And he's yeah. making that very clear. Now, now to be very, uh, like I said, very clear before this, this is not like he did not tell them about how he would reign as king. Very clearly. A bruised reed, he will not break. A smoldering wick, he will not quench. I yeah. mean, it's very clear what kind of king this is, which is totally yeah. different than others. So why would you not want to go on, quote, his side? So he's making it very clear. And obviously, when he says these words, you could definitely imagine him doing it graciously. Yeah. And then he says the next two verses, Pastor, and and you read this in church, you're in Bible study, someone tells you a similar story that what I just told you, how would you break it down so we're able to see this faithfully according to what Jesus said? I, you know, someone goes years wondering, did I sin against the Holy Spirit? And they are always having a seared conscience in their life. What would you say? Uh, well, i got a couple of thoughts on that, um, so I'd like to share a few, and then maybe let you kind of respond yeah. to all of them. First of all, let's take comfort and solace in verse 31. I tell you, so this is the word of Jesus to his people, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven. Let's take comfort in that. That is good news. Like, we could do a hard mm -hmm. stop right there. Like, that's great. Thanks be to God. He continues, though, with like, hey, there's something I want you to know, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Then he kind of builds off of that, kind of like an A and a B. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever, does, whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. So blasphemy against the Spirit. Uh, I think we need to understand this in terms of uh, the context, which Jesus has just said, you are either on one side or the other. Um, I think as Christians who believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with their lips that God raised him from the dead, you are on the side of the Almighty. Jesus here is not talking about the daily struggle that, you know, you and I have, that every mm -hmm. believer has, uh, you know, in the, in the battle against flesh. This is the, are you rejecting the work of the Messiah or are you, you know, passively receiving the work that God has accomplished for you on the cross? The, you know, all illustrations break down, right? However, mm -hmm. illustrations can sometimes be helpful. An illustration I came up with to perhaps understand this better was, you know, 
there's a difference between lying to your parents about a score on a math test or lying to your parents about what time you got home last night because they were asleep. That would be like a sin against mom and dad that is forgiven. That's a heck of a lot different than publicly rejecting and denouncing their love for you, publicly denouncing and rejecting who they are. That, to me, would be the sin against the Holy Spirit. The sin against the Holy Spirit is rejecting the work and accomplished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's not merely like a daily sin that we struggle with. What are your thoughts? You know, and you're you're exactly right. As when he talks about the Spirit, we know that um, it is only by the Spirit that we can say that Jesus is Lord. So there, there's a there's a Dr. Gibbs talks about this being involving speech, that when you blaspheme the name of Jesus, that is, that is, I mean, this is like going public and telling everybody that this is not not the Lord, this is not salvation. I don't believe this. I totally deny everything that has to do with this guy who is going to be, you know, the king who over all, all things. So that's different than when I have lied and, and those things that I love how you said mm-hmm. in verse 31, what's his do the drop mic there? You know, hey, you know, that yeah. all things, you know, what sin did Jesus not die for? And we look at the cross and we say he died for them all. So um, secondly, it's been emphasized that this is really a text that points people to unbelievers who, who, not that they don't struggle, like you said so wonderfully, because um, believers will struggle and like, oh man, I'm not sure about this whole salvation thing and Jesus. And we all have those times and, and continue to. But this is, this is calling out those who don't believe and saying, listen, this is serious stuff you're dealing with. What you say matters. How you say it matters. And, and the truth is in Christ. And if you're not with us, you're against us. So the sin of the yep. Holy Spirit is a lack of faith. Um, just like in confirmation, you know, I remember they're going through the Ten Commandments and going, oh my gosh, when of these can be forgiven? And my DCE at the time just said the only sin that's unforgivable is rejecting Jesus. And I remember mm-hmm. that struck, struck me very strongly. I remember that night. Yep. So yep. Uh, that's what I would encourage them, like you said, encourage this man to say, listen, Jesus has died for you and died for this yep. sin and uh, rest in him. Last thoughts. Yeah. And I would also say, in finally, in closing, and, and, and this is meant to be a, a word of of comfort, you know, to that person or who, who feels like, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm conscious stricken that I've done this. The mere act of being worried about it or concerned about it shows that you are in the kingdom. Because yeah. if you were not in the kingdom, you wouldn't care about that. Meaning, if you... If you don't believe in God, you reject the work of Jesus Christ, what care do you have to what God says or thinks or how he could judge you? Or the, the mere fact that, you're, that you are broken by that and that you run to Jesus is, is the very function of those words. Like th- these words ought to like drive us back to Jesus, back to 31. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you've forgiven me. You know, may your words um, of of grace and forgiveness be so spoken in my life that out of the overflow of the heart, my mouth speaks words of faith and practice and habits that align myself with you and, and grow in my life with you. Pastor Brian Davies of Lord of Glory Lutheran Church in Grays Lake, Illinois, bringing us God's strong word from Matthew chapter 12. Pastor Davies, it's always a joy. Thank you for bringing us his gifts. A pleasure.
I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Christ's reign has come, Christ's reign continues, and his reign is coming. Thanks be to God, and thank you for joining us. For the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.